0: In the fall of 1960, when I was 16, and my father was for a time not working, my mother met a man named Warren Miller and fell in love with him. This was in Great Falls, Montana, at the time of the Gypsy Basin oil boom, and my father had brought us there in the spring of that year from Lewiston, Idaho, in the belief that people, small people like him, were making money in Montana, or soon would be, and he wanted a piece of that good luck before all of it collapsed and was gone in the wind. My father was a golfer, a teaching Pro. That's a, the opening passage
1: of a remarkable novel, one no doubt you've heard about, will more and more, by one of the best writers in America today, I think, Richard Ford. It's called Wildlife, published by Atlantic Monthly Press. You may recall Mr. Ford was a guest on his program with a previous work, The Sports Writer, and then wrote some marvelous collection of short stories, too. But if this book knocks me for a loop, let's start at the
0: beginning. The narrator is Joey's about 16. Right. It's just about his telling his uh, remembered story of his father trying to move the family from one place where luck had kind of crapped out to a place where he thought, um, as the beginning says, where he thought he could seize some piece of good luck and maybe maybe get a tip, maybe have somebody tell him something, maybe give him a job. Um, it's, a, it's a story about, and to some extent, People acting on optimism and where optimism will take you. Yeah, the father. Think of the father and the mother, the mother Jeanette. Right.
1: Right. And the father, this guy, uh, who's a golf pro. Right. Uh, handsome is I. I take it pretty handsome sort of guy. That's right. I said it for a specific reason. Later on, we come to Warren Miller, the man whom your mother, that is Joe's mother, speaker's mother, mother right, uh, found love. And she's a
0: pretty attractive woman, just about close about late thirties. Right. I was trying to write a novel about adults, you know. I was trying to write a novel about uh about what adults do. Particularly I thought when seen through the eyes of their child, um, because I thought a child's eyes, that is to say, a remembered childhood, is always um an eye that wants to see things plainly, that wants to cut through complicated human events and to see them not in a simplified way but in a plain way. Um, so that's really the reason that the book is set up and narrated the way it is, so that I could talk about things which maybe hadn't been addressed in language before through the agency of a child trying to say it plainly to himself. Yeah, we're going to perhaps read more passages as
1: we go along. and It's the style, too. The child is, well, this guy is 16. Immediately, I was thinking of some of the marvelous writers of the past uh, whose writing, You Reflect, though it's you, Richard Forbert. I immediately thought of, because I was so impressed when I read the early Winesburg, Ohio stories of Sherwin Anderson and George Willard. Oh, indeed. You remember the son of the editor? Indeed. Uh, who... Was growing up at the same time sees the people of the town
0: and I like those later Sherwood innocence yeah. stories too I want to know why and yeah. death in the woods um, those those and were I'm a fool and I'm a fool yeah. those were terrifically uh, affecting stories but it's this guy Joe is
1: it's more than lost you could say loss of innocence well it's more than that he does discover certain things
0: well he loses his innocence but in the innocence place he doesn't he doesn't find cynicism no. he just finds um uh, what takes innocence place, which is a more complicated view of human yeah. events. And that's that's a loss and a gain, yeah. I think. Yeah, he, he sees them as flawed, both of them
1: as flawed beings, his mother and his father. Uh, we do not know what he thought of them before, but he maybe didn't think too much about them. But now, the situation... Let's think about the father. He's a golf pro. That's right. This is a place where money is being made. It was. This is in Montana. That's uh, right. About an area you know well, because some of your other... St- Stories, wonderful one. Uh, the guy, the hunter, teaching the kid how. Uh, it's called Great Falls. Great Falls. Uh, the called Great Falls. That's the collection. But the one also, the kid in the sky is—he's called a communist. This guy. Communist.
0: Oh, that—that's another good. That's yeah, another yeah, story. So it's
1: a story. But I right. think of the mother and the guy through the eyes of this boy. That's and you right. have the mother and this guy Warren Miller, who's coming into the pictures. Well,
0: that's a very, for me, um, um, sturdy. And resourceful uh, dramatic structure uh, a, a, a mother and a son and another man um, that that seems to me to make a, a, a kind of a triangle of, of unconventional sorts and, and, and in trying to write wildlife I wanted to make an even I thought sturdier structure which was a mother a father another man seen through the eyes of a son I thought that was an even sturdier structure yeah. and indeed yeah. I think it's a novel about the the survival of that of, of, of a family
1: but see, something else enters in this picture: certain kinds of people in our society who are respected and looked up to, and draw—and maybe justly so—like Warren Miller in the fifties, a uh, guy who limps, gimpy guy, uh, not certainly not as physically attractive as the husband. That's know. right. But a guy who has a kind of power. That's right. Uh, Money, I might see power as an aphrodisiac in a way.
0: Somebody wrote in a review that, 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 that Warren Miller was a distasteful creature that nobody could be interested in. And I thought to myself, boy, he hadn't lived the same life I've lived yeah. because uh, a man 55 years old uh, who survived his life and is in the full powers of his life, that's a pretty attractive individual, I think, just for anybody, sure. a woman, another man, yeah. You just that's the person who, who is charismatic. And, and that's the kind of man power. I Power. Yeah. The mother said sometimes, didn't she, to Joe as he's finding things out, uh, this guy's handsome in his own way. That's, that's right. Not in a conventional sense. That's what I'm always trying to write stories about, the way in which the, the non-conventional somehow manages to be persuasive. Let's go back
1: to the area because uh, this is Montana. There's some oil strikes around in the mouth. People who belong to this country club right, of which Joe's father, Jerry, Jerry. As the golf pro, is he surrounded by money? And he says to Joe, "We won't get rich working for rich men, but we might get lucky hanging around them." He laughed at that.
0: That's right. Well, I think people, everybody who get rich, who gets rich, particularly if you're of a, an unmoneyed past, you have to get lucky to get rich. And even at that point in his life, having had a full life as a golf pro, to 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 think that you might get rich is a kind of a, is a kind of a hopefulness on his part. Uh, I liked that. I like yeah. to write about characters who, who, whose hope leads them
1: places. Even at the very end, <laughs> after much has happened, father, there's a getting together again. That's uh, slightly right. Slightly wiser, but somehow aware of each other's frailties more. But mostly it's Joe's observation. That's right. He said about getting lucky. This guy, Warren, describe him, Warren, this other guy. Uh, he has a
0: couple of refineries. Right, he, um, owns, a, he owns a grain elevator. He's um, um, He used to insure crops. He's just he's just the plenipotent man out there on the Great Plains. But really. he's talking about success. He's, he was lucky.
1: He says, you know what's being at the right place? He says some of the other's mistakes. It's the incompetence of the others.
0: That's right. Th- that he talks about. You just so, persist. You let attrition take away the people who might do better than you. It felt like being a writer. Anyway, anyway,
1: here's Jerry the father, the golf pro. And we know he's not going to... He's hanging around the rich, easy going. Nothing seems to faze him.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, not Jerry, you mean. Jerry the father. Well, he seems to me to be a man who likes his life. And... um, and, and in a way, being an athlete uh getting to practice as a profession, what you did so well as a as a young amateur seems to me to be a life that that most people would thought would think they'd like yeah uh and he is easy going
1: but somewhere along the line he gets fired. We'll come to Jeanette the mother in a minute. she doesn't like her name no Jeanette I like her name, but she, she doesn't like', she like her didn't name. because here again we get to touch of, it makes her think of a waitress yeah. So
0: we're getting that tells us something about her right away, doesn't it? Indeed. indeed she wants to she wants something a little more out of her life and she didn't know that she wanted more out of her life until suddenly one day her life changed and then she realized that whatever had been protecting her, her husband's general easygoing quality, having a sort of a nuclear family, as soon as you change so, soon as you change the configuration of that a little bit, all kinds of doubts come streaming into your life. Not in a, not in a hurtful way no uh, and not in a bitter way, just in a way to say, uh, I wish I could do something a little different from what yeah. I've been doing. I mean, she's not looking for something
1: out of Dallas or Dynasty, the mother. No, it's not that. She, 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 she wants things better than she... <laughs> and I mean, she, is, she does see things around her, you know, that... Uh,
0: and I also think know. it's a matter of, of when Jerry tries to make life better and, and in so doing disrupts the family. She sees that the little stasis that has been the source of her happiness is now going to be changed and altered and it threatens her too yeah um there's something something almost terrifying about the possibility of good luck you know yeah but we haven't talked about fires forest
1: fires it's very funny there are slow fires around and about here there's a big forest fire country that you know that's Uh, right we we come to that because jerry the father gets canned from his job on a suspicion that he was lifting things
0: you want just touch that a little why would this guy well, you know, that's just one of those things that comes into a novel almost out of the blue. I, I never uh, conceived that he would or wouldn't lift things. I just know this, that when I was a kid in Arkansas and in Mississippi, adults were continually doing things which I didn't understand and for which I was not told the reason uh, in, in this book. It's never clear if he does or he doesn't lift things, um, it's finally concluded that he doesn't. But I liked it that, mm. that that things, important things, happen to people which are never fully, completely explained, but that causes their life I
1: to I like change. that because.
0: Do you mind if I read this? No. Well, you should read this. On page
1: 14, he's really being fired, and the boy, Joe, 16, has happened to be visiting him at the club there. He's fired, so he says to Joe, Oh, I the boy. No, oh, you read it. Read. I'm, All right. I have, it's the ham bone in me. That's all right. right. It's your show. No, no. It's your show. <laughs> and we're going to go through a good routine here. This is now Alphonse Gaston routine. Did he fire you? I asked. Joe asked his father. Yes, he did. He sat still for a moment behind the open cash register as if the word sounded strange to him or had other meanings. Here again we come to your way of leaving something hanging. He looked like a boy my own age, doing something he shouldn't be doing and trying to do it casually. Though I thought maybe Clarence Snow, he's the guy who fired him. I guess he's the president of the club or something. Right. Had told him to clean out the cash register before he left and all that money was his to keep. Too much of a good living, I guess, he said. That's the father. Then he said, look around here, Joe. See if there's anything you want. He looked around at the clubs and the leather golf bags and the shoes, the sweaters and the clothes and glass cases, all, that, all things that cost a lot of money, things my father liked. Just take it. He said, it's yours. I don't want anything, I said. My father looked at me behind the cash register. You don't want anything? All this expensive stuff? No, I said. You've got a good character. That's your problem. Not that it's much of a problem. And he closed the cash register. Bad luck's got a sour taste, doesn't it? And then that to me is a fantastic exchange. You know, the guy's fired. You know, he's humiliated in front of his kid. And he's just taking stuff out of the cash register. Or the guy said he can But take other things. There's a casualness.
0: Uh, ethics is very flexible. Indeed. Right. Well, he feels like, I think, that if he's been, if he's been canned for being a, for being a crook, what difference does it make if yeah. it, you know, once, once, your good, once your good name is lost, what difference does it make? Yeah. And there's that moment of complete capitulation to bad luck, which yeah. I think is true about the book. is not a moment that lasts very long. Let's take a slight pause because we have to continue with this whole theme of what's
1: the difference and ethics and luck and also his, his wanting to be looked at a certain way by his son. Come to that, we haven't come to her yet, to Jeanette. <laughs> very, very interesting, and the, the the dialogue. I think what I what I like, not most, a lot, because other things I like about Richard Ford's writing is, is when you hear it, you know that's that is so, isn't it? And that hasn't been expressed that way before, but that is so. And boom, these little, I guess you call them little epiphanies. <laughs> They're there, and the book is called Wildlife. And wildlife itself is such a good title for it, too, because it's about that, the wildness That's right. kept under and there, and those fires.
0: Which you have to survive. You yeah, have to survive have to wildlife survive. somehow.
1: Uh, Atlantic Monthly Press of the Publishers, and Richard Ford, my guest. So we'll resume with Richard Ford and the novel Wildlife. So we've got the father, Jerry Fired, and the mother restless, something else. And the boy seeing them as though for the first time a certain crisis. And they've been living along, razor's edge kind, getting along. We don't know, there's not much dough in the bank. Right. And so we come to Jeanette, the mother.
0: Well, I, like I said before, I think, I think she's somebody who, is, who has thought to herself as her son says about her that this was a normal life she was leading and, the, and, and and that these were the normal terms of it, and that they were good terms. And that um, if your husband gets fired, one of the things you do is you believe in your husband and you and you and you keep thinking that that things will work out well because you're both good people and you love each other. and, and all the things that I think are normal values in most uh, homes. and and for to me, oddly, the, the the odd issue was that he would take such a an extraordinary, turn to try to change luck and that when he made this turn, which is to go fight a forest fire. Before he decided to go
1: fight the forest fires, he's not working. right? But he's casually shooting with the golf club, taking his shots on that. But he'd go to work. He'd put on his clothes and go out as though he's going to a job. That's right. That was, and when I was working on the depression book. That was a recurrent theme throughout. Oh, that right? That keeping a front and a face. Invariably, the boy's father, uh, not the blue-collar guy so much as the white collar, got dressed, put on tie, as though going to work. Instead, went to a park bench to look at the one I that front. Mm-hmm. And so in a casual way, this was Jerry.
0: Well, what you hope is that if you keep going through the motions, if you keep following the habits of your own prosperity, maybe you'll catch up with it. I guess uh, that's, that's the hope because a lot of going to work really is just habit for most people for most unexamined lives and if you keep going through the habits you think to yourself maybe I'll, maybe I'll get back in sync again maybe I'll find that one thing that will, will get me back on my track again um, but doing what he did do Go off to a forest fire, and I realize I'm talking about these characters as if they were human beings, when in fact I make them up out of language. I know, but but, they... but it going to a forest fire was itself such an unusual thing to do that it that it in a way fractured his wife's sense of expectation, because her expectation was that in fact he would get back on the old track, that he would take a job again, and, the, and that the life would persist as it had. But he gives reason to believe and gives proof of the fact that it's not going to be as it had, at least if he has anything to do with it. And that is, that is disruptive. And one of the things I was interested in in that was, again, I suppose, to go against convention. Normally you think that bad luck disrupts a life. Sometimes a response to bad luck, which is to try to improve your luck, to try to make your life be better, can be equally disruptive. Yeah, because again, the fantasy is there. That's right.
1: The um, uh, the the uh, not Pollyanna thing, but that fantasy. That's right. Winning the lottery. That's right. Yeah. And that can drive that, that can drive you to distraction. Of course, that think you can. That's it. Instead of saying, wait a minute, what you know, we don't, because failure. You see, I suppose the whole, you know, Brecht, Bertolt Brecht, wrote a play called Little Mahogany, and the crime in this town is to be broke. Right. That you can kill, you can murder, you can rape. Ins- anything you can do is okay, but if you lose your money, they will execute you. That's the town. So in a way, and it's not too, we're not too removed from that.
0: No, because the, I, I think that the, the corollary to that is that if you're broke, you're going to do something uh, to try to break that cycle. You're gonna you're gonna do something to try to improve yourself. And when you, as an individual, do something to try to improve yourself, you you affect the polity there. You know, you you affect the equilibrium that exists inside the community, and that's pretty, um, it can be at least, threatening. Yeah, so this is what
1: we have. So we're still holding off on Jeanette and the uh, meeting with Miller and the work. No, we, we'll come to her now, and no, then come to the forest fires and your own knowledge of it and the state that, you know, you've traveled all over, you Yeah. Know, and your wife have.
0: But Montana, sorry. As, as regards forest fires, I remember very vividly Christina and, um, it's your wife. Yes, Christina and and myself uh, standing out uh, in front of our house, watching blazes on both of the both of the ridges that were on either side of our house in, in Montana, in Montana, north of Missoula, in the in the rattlesnake, and um, feeling that if the wind just should decide to blow the other way, that we'd be that our house would be goners. That was for me as as as, as vivid a memory as I have about living in Montana. And I know that's exactly what the firefighters on a much more personal and, and in some ways more destructive scale f- feel every time they go out there. It wasn't so much of the fire as emblem. I'm not interested in emblems in fiction. I was interested in the fire insofar as it's a literal thing whose uh, vagaries affect you and threaten you and, and you know, threaten to eradicate you, which I felt very vividly up the Rattlesnake um, Creek where our house was, that just should the wind blow,
1: yeah. we'd be gone. So you're talking. You, you said the vagaries. Uh, the, 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 you spoke of the uh, of the, uh, the capriciousness of it too, and and we're talking about their lives as well. And, and you're not referring. I know you avoid symbols, right. but if it's desperately. I know, but this except that it's there. <laughs> I mean, the fires are there. That's right. And the families uh, the slight fire. Right. Uh, the woods are slightly on fire.
0: That's right. there too, you see. We know the old line from Keats about uh, axioms of uh, philosophy not being worth much until they're played upon our pulses. Mm. I'm always interested in yeah. things that play upon our pulses, yeah. less so as axioms yeah. or as symbols.
1: So this guy, this handsome golf pro whose hands are good and neat, and clean, he's going to do fight for his fire, which is a wholly different uh, world indeed, isn't it? For him. Yeah, would, for he be, him. He would have been a golf pro for 20 yeah. years. Uh, so he's going to go. Now... What does she do? She sort of keeps books, and she became, she's kind of athletic, too. Right. She be, she's, she's became a
0: swimming instructor at the Y. Right. These are both college graduate people. Uh, These are people who, who, who might have aspired to, to, to something that engaged their minds. Uh, and Indeed, yeah. She, she takes a job at the, at the swimming pool at the YWCA because I think it was, a, it, it was maybe just simply pleasant. Maybe it was just uh, taking her away from what she was thinking about. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe it made her feel
1: free. So it's there that she runs in. She has different people there. Uh, and one was a successful, uh, rough guy, rodeo type guy, boots wearing guy, but a rough, good natured guy named Warren, wears glasses, has a cigar. That's right.
0: That's right. And, uh, and I thought a sympathetic character.
1: Yeah, he's kind of a sympathetic guy, and he's made a bucker too. That's right. And he's his wife left him. That's
0: right and as the kid notices assumes, he doesn't live like a rich man that's right Washington. well that's another thing i guess i'm always interested in is is uh, you think rich people conventionally you think rich people are a certain way that they live a certain way under a certain set of circumstances all founded of course out of ignorance of, and then you go to their houses and what you find is that these old guys keep 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 in touch with their simple lives that, that, that they don't live grandly, because to live grandly would, would, would be to, you know, rise above the level of others, and, and in fact, what they don't want to do is rise above yeah. the level of others. See, the thing about
1: Warren Miller, he wants to be one of the uh, guys. That's
0: right. That's right. One of the good
1: old boys, in a sense.
0: And for that reason, is a, is a character like us, all, like us all, or at least like me. I've never, uh, you know, being a writer, it's very easy yeah. to stay below the level of the horizon. Um, it's, it's, it's of interest to me, people who want to fit in. And now we come to Joe the boy. Joe is a pretty bright kid. But he's not precocious
1: or anything, just no. a guy growing up. And he's sort of easygoing, but he's pretty sensitive. He senses something going on now between while the father's off fighting fires as best he can, to pick up a buck or two, of course. Right. Uh, also, he's out there because something, I think he's something about accelerating, or uh, like a new life. That's that right. Too.
0: That's right. Well, his when his mother begins to uh, imagine the idea of a new life, that's a that is the that's drama. That's the first real serious drama in his life. Uh, his mother imagining a new life for herself, even if she's just fantasizing it. And I and I think that in general, that for for stories, if you if you create a dramatic situation and you put into it uh, a recorder or a, or a reflector, that will sometimes cause that that character. To say extraordinary things to to say things which otherwise could not be said, uh, because he's experiencing things um, which he's never experienced before, yeah seeing his mother with another man in the middle of the night in their own house, yeah, yeah and the other guy's
1: uh, Joe's feelings about this guy who wants to be nice to him, the guy is you know they visit the guy's house
0: for dinner and for right. dinner. Well, the idea, again, is to, is, is, is to jump a little outside of the conventional way in which we think people get wooed. One, one way you might woo a married woman, I suppose, if you're Warren Miller, is to invite her and her son over to your house and to cook dinner for them. And that just seemed like, a, to me, a, a wonderful scene to try to write, uh, because it was both loving and it was, and it was sensual, too, at the same time. Yeah, but the point is, Joe wasn't too
1: taken with the guy. Joe wasn't too taken with the guy because, well, for one thing, I guess something uh, mm. basic and fundamental. So I'm making a pass at his attractive mother. Right in front of him. In front of him, see. And also, there's the mother. Now he come to her. They're not poor, but they're not... They, they're getting along, I think, at catch catch can for a That's long right. time. And she sees this guy... Who's, we come to that thing we talked about at the very beginning. Who's in charge of things? The father doesn't take
0: charge. father doesn't take charge successfully and, in fact, has thought he could go along the way he's been going along, taking charge only in a kind of minimal way, which is to say as a golf bro and making just enough money and changing jobs yeah. when things didn't work out, and you come upon a man full of powers.
1: But is, I just, I, 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 I have to think about who pays bills. Is she going to have to pay the bills now? Whereas this guy Warren, you know he pays a bill like that. That's right. Whereas uh, Joe or uh, Jerry or her husband, Joe's father, is just casual, easy.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, I think when you find yourself alone, even if it's in the first moment you're alone, you realize that you're going to have to take care of yourself. Before we take our break, one more break, we have got to you read Warren Miller
1: on success. A moment ago you're talking about luck, and here's. Or that part here down below why don't you lead into that I think I marked below but why don't you lead into it you know he's
0: um, this is just a little passage in the story in which um, Warren is trying to tell um, the speaker of this story uh, Joe Brinson how it is you make a go of it in the world because I think he thinks that uh, Warren thinks that that's one thing he can do for this child of this woman that he loves he can tell him something that's true and they um this takes place in Warren's house when he's wooing his Joe's mother. Other people's incompetency is what makes you rich, he said, and tapped the ash off his cigar into an ashtray. Money begets money based on no other principle. It almost doesn't matter what you do. I came back from Korea and I was a farmer and then I got into oil leasing business and went to Morocco with that. And then I came back here and bought those elevators and the car agency and the crop insurance business. I'm not very smart. Plenty of people are smarter than I am. I'm just progressive.
1: I'm just aggressive.
0: Pro- progressive. Oh, progra- That's funny,
1: I was slip, a slip of my tongue. I said aggressive.
0: Well, I think that may be what he means.
1: I think That's it. You see, the, we, progressive is something you always use in political terms as someone progressive, Bob Luff followed of Wisconsin, right. someone fighting the big boys. Yeah. Whereas we, today, you, in commercials, the word progressive means aggressive. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's so that too. We're talking to Richard Ford and the highly acclaimed novel, by the way, the book Wildlife, and its Atlantic uh, Monthly Press resumed. In a moment. So, resuming with Richard Ford, my guest. Wild life. The novel. The title is perfect because you think of a wildfire, wild life. Uh, this casual something happening among three people here, That's four, right. including Warren Miller, but father, wife, and uh,
0: son. It's it's really a book about people, as I said to you. Uh, before trying to survive, that you don't, when you're in, when you're a human being, you basically don't survive as a species. You sort of survive individually. You have to figure out the terms and the vocabulary of, of your own survival, um, so that you always survive as an individual. Um, and just that, and so she's
1: thinking about that very much. And of a uh, uh Jeanette, and this guy Miller represents something. Warren Miller. This guy just gonna kind of this brief affair with Warren Miller, maybe hoping it's more, though he doesn't think so. But the um he does something. Even for the bo- specific things he can do. Maybe get the kid
0: get her kid, Joe, into Dartmouth. Right. Or get him into the DMLA, or 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 get him into a better school, or somehow just by his example, encourage him to take a more, as you said before, Aggressive attitude toward his own life do something for yourself is what he's basically encouraging the kid to do And I think that in fact that that's one of the notions in this book that that, that comes from Warren that and that is Finally in the book at the end that you got to do something for yourself uh, to persist But that doing something for yourself to me as I read it's not necessarily being like Warren. No, Yeah. You know. but the but the uh, one of the ca- claims that the book wants to make is that is that doing something for you. Well, I'll put it differently. Go ahead. That the way in which Warren does things for himself, and the way in which Jerry does things for himself, and the mother does things—they're all, in a way, ethically bound, and that and that they are more alike than, in fact, they are different. Yeah. And now
1: you got the boy. You got Joe. And Joe has certain problems. Sees things. He knows something has happened. Quite obviously, he's seen he sees between his
0: mother and Warren. Yeah, that—that that is the sort of center of the book in which he, in fact, sees his mother in their house alone with another man who's not his father. And—and um, and, uh, no question was something
1: happened between them. Right. And, no doubt. When he gets up, wants to go to the john or something. The boy does. He spots a, something.
0: Sees a naked man in his house. Yeah,
1: and as the mother sees him, the world at that moment falls apart. So she, she slaps him.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, it seemed to me that she could do a hundred other things. What yeah. you want to do as a writer is, you want to put yourself in a in a highly dramatic situation and see what your instincts tell you to do. Um, in in, in the case of in the case of Jeanette with her son, what she does is she strikes out not that's to hurt him so much just just to say in essence this is my life what you're watching this everything doesn't revolve around you
1: and also did he have to be there that's well, right I just let things see and my mother came out of the bathroom before i could move again she didn't look in my direction and then when then she turned back uh after, when she saw me meaning he saw everything when she knows that watching her like a burglar who would broke into the house to soothe and be going, Oh, God damn it, my mother said. Before I could say a word more, she came down to where I was and slapped me in the face with open hand. She slapped me again with the other hand. I'm mad at you. It's kind of a sad, funny scene. I didn't mean it, I said. I'm sorry. She's mean, why he didn't mean did he to say Did he have to go? She knows he's a good and honest kid. And she's not afraid that he's going to tell uh, her husband. That's not on her mind. That his innocence was lost there. That's right. Because he was unnecessarily there. And she's mad
0: about it. Because one yeah. of the things she wanted to preserve was this sense of herself as his mother as, as she had been up to that point and suddenly that possibility is removed. <clears throat> I wish I was dead, she said. And then she goes
1: back. and Her hand made in the fists. I thought it's going to hit me again, he says. Nothing seemed impossible. You probably want to leave now, don't you? Well, go ahead. That's why everything always happens. People people do things. There isn't any plan. What's next? Who knows? That's also part of it. People That's do right. things. There isn't any
0: plan. What's next? We, we're talking about crazy impulses and situations too. That's right. Well, when you're a kid, you know, you're, you're um, isolated so much from what people actually do. You hear about it. It's veiled. Uh, you see sometimes its consequences. But, but rarely is it the case as a kid that you're faced right up, and I mean faced, with what people do. Yeah. Particularly do for themselves and without your interest it's at heart or at stake. That they just simply act in ways which, which they must do and about which they don't care if you know.
1: You know, that, that also, you said about ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things, unexpected things, you know. You That's know, at right. the very end I've Had a Gabbler, uh, the, this guy, Ted Brack, she kills herself, yeah. end, and she destroys the other guy's play. And this guy says,
0: People don't do such things. But That's they right. do. That's the conventional wisdom which yeah. says people don't do such but things. But they do. <laughs> but indeed hey, they do. And we find all kinds of locutions in language and all kinds of uh, subterfuges in our own self to make, to make it palatable that they don't do it, but in fact they do it. Yeah. We just pick up a newspaper. And yeah.
1: Un- Does people do that? Yeah.
0: Unthinkable is the word. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. And for language, it's unsayable. Yeah. What you're always trying to it's do in a novel is say the unsayable. And the unspeakable
1: is speakable. That's right. We're, we're talking to... To Richard Ford, and the book is wildlife. As you can see, all sorts of uh, challenges here to for a reader. To we haven't talked about the nature of your your style, to uh, the simplicity. You know the the deceptive simplicity of it.
0: Well, um, again, that's in, in part. Um, I suppose part of the book's aspiration is to take on difficult subjects, or complex subjects, or as yet unsaid subjects, and to give some language to them which makes them accessible to somebody. Uh, not to fight complexity with greater complexities, but to fight complexity with a language which makes them accessible. Yeah. Um,
1: there's, there's the uh, many spots, I think it's in the book, it appears even in, in the actual writing or the saying, where the subject is changed casually, it's left hanging. As though yet approaching a dangerous corner.
0: That's right. And there are also things in this book which he says he just simply doesn't understand. Things which he just doesn't have language for. Um, Adults viewed by children is always a matter of wonder. And that wonder, of course, is a very charging and uh, invigorating quality in fiction if you can have real wonder as part of the reason you tell the story. You know, know, as as this goes along, and
1: uh, the father calls up and i wonder what's going on and now the kid has his dilemma you know is he does he tell he doesn't want to lie he's a very honest kid uh does he tell his old man about it or just let it hang that becomes part of the, right. what we're talking about too and then the mother somewhere along the line she's trying to say something to him she can't uh she's going to find a place to live Be, this is even before i think she's telling the old man that's right she's going to quit she's
0: making her changes
1: What's the line here before that? I think I'm wasted on you. Oh, that's when she told him, ready, that she's going to leave him, I think. That's right. Uh, the father and the mother arguing. Not so arguing as the way she's playing with... Funny, that scene is so good. She's playing solitaire, deck of cards. Waiting, and he's going to leave with her son to go to eat somewhere and discuss...
0: She's playing double solitaire. Huh? She's playing double solitaire.
1: Yeah. I think I'm wasted on you," my father said. He was angry again. I didn't blame him. I think you are too," she said, and then she wanted to say something else, and then she said, "We're all wasted on everything nowadays." That's to me one of the telling things
0: that she walked out, the room leaving us alone. Well, I think that's one of the things that she comes to understand—that outside of the outside of the sort of bountiful m- margins of her marriage—that she feels wasted that even though she pushed herself outside of that quite willfully as soon as she gets outside of it she feels wasted she that it might not not, not wasted in the current argo that is to say she yeah. feels like she's squandering herself yeah now here you got something we come back to now the
1: uh, the father jerry and joe the son are going to go eat somewhere and she's he, now the father's humiliated i mean stunned by the fact that she's going to leave he suspected but didn't matter, he's kinda of easy going. And he's in front of his son. In the car my father acted like things weren't so bad. But he always did that in the beginning when he was fired. He says, It's gonna be okay. Well, oh, you love your dad. He still wants his respect too. That's right. It's gonna be great. Don't worry about it. And he goes again. And he said, Bad things happen, adults knew it, but they finally passed by. It'll pass, you know. <laughs> things will what's the phrase? It could be worse. No. That's right. It could be worse or or oh, it's better, no, what's the old phrase when something terrible happens, someone comes along and
0: says, oh, it's good because it could be even better. That's right. But well, that, that, may be the, get... that may be the author's one view of, of, of preconceived yeah. philosophy there, that if uh, if bad things happen to you, uh, wait a minute.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of that phrase we use all the time. That it could be a worse phrase. It's all for the best. I get it. That's what I mean. It's all for the best.
0: That's a little more Presbyterian yeah. than I can quite But they
1: finally into. passed by uh, the kid is saying to himself, and the accumulation of, our, oh, we are, uh, here it is. She spoke of being wasted. And the boy is thinking as his father's driving to the restaurant, I should not think we're all just an accumulation of worst errors because we were all better than we thought. And he loved my mother and she loved him. And he made mistakes himself and that we all deserved better. But I knew he believed he would make life right between them again. That's and then right. He has that eternal optimism That's on his right. Part again.
0: That's right. That's why these people, to me, are worth writing about, because they uh, maintain out of themselves a certain sense of optimism, which is, in fact, what happens in the book. He does make it right with
1: them. In yeah. fact, there's one spot there where Joe, the boy, feels pretty good, because he and his father now are talking about things and themselves and he sees they're all flawed pretty much
0: flawed beings it's his first recognition that's right me? but i think you know about people who are flawed and then the word flawed means that some that that somehow that that they're wrong or wrecked i don't think that and i think that to be flawed it just means that um you've lived your life yeah and it, it doesn't mean that you're a uh, subpar uh, it, it means in fact that you that you're right in there with the rest of humanity you remind me of something it's a story a guy uh, years ago, his name
1: was Joe Matthews. He was a sectarian preacher, ex-methodist. He was quite a guy. Who worked in the in the ghettos and the slums. And Joe's father died. His father about ninety four or something. Joe was one of ten kids, and so he's got to go back for the services, the funeral. And they want Joe to say a few words over his father's grave. The family does. He's mm-hmm. the preacher. So that night he visits the funeral home. And he wants to take a look at the old man, and uh, the funeral director says he sees a Cupid doll, someone like a Cupid doll in the casket, you know, rouged, and a smooth face as if I was ninety-four. So he says to the funeral, "Give me a sponge and some water and soap." And he says, "What? Well, I want a sponge, water, and soap, or else, you know." And he starts. So he says, "I t- scraped off the stuff." The cosmetics, my father's face, suddenly his face fell and it was a wrinkled face, all sorts of wrinkles. Was, that's my father. Now, those wrinkles are us. We put those wrinkles in. Before, we never existed. There was a Cupid doll. Perfect. We never lived. But those wrinkles means we lived. We gave him those wrinkles, you see.
0: That's right. And so that's what you're talking about. I just saw Christina's picture in Esquire, in fact, this uh, last month. And um, one of the things that they did, I mean, you can see Christina's face is um, quite a wonderful face. But they, airbrushed the, they air, airbrushed the lines out of her, out from around her eyes. And I said to the guys, I said, you know, I've spent 20 years putting those uh, lines on her face by making her happy. I said, I hate to see them all go out with an airbrush. Yes. Yeah, you said,
1: you said that. Yes, I did. That's very funny. You put those well, that's exactly what Joe was talking about. And that's, in a sense, what your book is. So let's take one last break, and then we have one more lap to go. And so, for the last lap, we're talking. We're talking to Richard Ford, the novel novelist,
0: "Wildlife," and uh, that's the subject. "Wildlife." The title almost came easily to you, didn't it? It right? came. It came the most naturally. And in fact, many people trying to get me to change it. Um, but i and and you know i'm always willing to try anything if if a responsible person says it and i never could think of a title that was better and indeed that was the title i had when i started the book and we're thinking about the character joe and a young
1: guy an adolescent or someone just post puberty
0: 16 15 16 appearing in many of your short stories that's right that's right well i think that that little that little transit that you make when you're 16 from from one phase of your life to another phase of your life turns out to be uh, a transit um of great importance in which you learn things and in fact and if you can learn them the right way will will keep you going for the rest of your life uh if you if you get if you get your life spoiled at that point uh your life will have the imprint of that spoil uh forever and i'm always just trying to write stories which will be useful to other people by which i say you're not bound by convention to see the events of your life in any one way but in fact to try to make yourself an optimist in these things uh to try to take what uh cards life deals you in an optimistic way that's that's you yeah. know that's a big learning year when you get to be around 16
1: so what what were the uh, by the way you a lot of your
0: life has been traveling right ever since Evaluation. Well, actually, longer than that, my father was a traveling salesman. And my parents, my grandparents ran a, um, a drummer's hotel in Little Rock. That sense of movement has been in my life all my life. Oh, did you live in a hotel? I sure did. Yeah, Grew I up did in a hotel. Yeah. Nothing like it. Yeah, I know. I was right here
1: at Men's Hotel. It no kidding. Before Men's Hotels became equated with flophouses right. back in the 20s. Just not too far from here. You were a, a you drummer, a, so you but to point out for those who may be younger, a drummer is an old-fashioned word for a traveling salesman.
0: Which is what my father was. He and was. So huh? my, my, my mother's my mother's parents ran this hotel in Miller Rock, and my father was a traveling salesman, one of those guys who traveled seven states in one car and sold only one product: laundry starch. And that's it. Yeah. And so then, so but you, you and your wife have traveled a bit. Yeah, we have. We've, we've traveled all over. Um, all over the states certainly i grew up in the south in mississippi and I, I grew up with a real curiosity given the fact that the south is in so many cultural ways isolated yeah. had so many things to hide back in the 40s and 30s um, i grew up with a curiosity about the rest of the country and um, though i still love the south um, but you're not a southern writer that is no. you're not a writer in the sense that
1: a reynolds price would be or someone or a southern writer or in the
0: ormering or Faulkner
1: and others. In, in the, the
0: sense same. that I don't write about the South, no. Uh, I mean, Reynolds is a wonderful writer and writes writes largely about matters in, uh, which happened no, to be in the,
1: the South. Another, yours is the West, isn't it? Some of it, uh, though uh, I wrote, a, you know, the sports writer set in New Jersey. And yeah, sports writer, was, that's right. Um, that's when you were here. Right. For the sport, another Three excellent ago. novel. Thanks. But the short stories. By the way, short stories are experiencing a, 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 a resurgence, aren't they?
0: Well, um, I... I think, really, that through the 60s, uh, there were wonderful short stories being written. I think, to some extent, the publishing industry has taken a greater notice of short stories uh, than it did 20 years ago. But I think the story itself and how it's been written has been consistently excellent, uh, you know, all through the 50s and 60s and 70s. Uh, But it's the publishing industry, I think, and to its credit, that has made it seem um, to be a renaissance.
1: We haven't got so oh influence. Influ, I suppose the usual quite influences. So I was thinking Sherwood Anderson. Sure, that great great one, influence on I me. Suppose Hemingway too.
0: To, su- to to a much yeah. lesser extent because I always thought that Hemingway um, was too uh, chintzy with his language. Um, I thought he was he cheaped up on sentences. Mm. Uh, but but Sherwood Anderson. Oh, very definitely yeah. Eudora Welty because I grew up in Jackson. You know Eudora Welty. Yeah, she's she's Jackson, Mississippi. She sure is. I just saw her two days ago.
1: And yeah, I didn't realize what a good photography she was. Yeah, to. quite yeah. wonderful. We have to come back to, to uh, wildlife. There's more, and it, it, it deals with not the word isn't accommodation, as there is. But th- it we haven't the, talked about the big scene, have we? It has a lot it's to do with the barn burning though. of Faulkner. There's yeah. a big scene yeah. where the father wants to get
0: somehow his humiliation as such. That's right. To, to strike out. He wants, I mean, I guess there's the old axiom that says, if you sleep with my wife, I'll burn down your house. Yeah. And that's really what this is. He uh, wants
1: to burn down, but he can't do it. He's no good. Just hear it again. And so Warren comes out. He tries to burn the house. The kid's watching the scene. Right. But uh, he can't,
0: <laughs> he, he's not, it's too easy going. Not and a it, truly hateful a, and man. And so
1: here comes another face slapping.
0: That's right. Not full of hate. Right? No. Jerry in this book is not full of hate. Um, he wants things to be good, and um, and can't really act yeah. against. But somebody. neither
1: is Warren Miller. See, this is the point. It's a very moving scene. It's a humiliating scene. That, you know, the community sees it happen. The neighbors rush out, and this guy with the with the gasoline can. There's some fire happen, and this guy Warren Miller. What the hell you do that for? He, it's funny. I just thought of it. He slaps. Jerry's father trying to burn his house and failing miserably. This guy's not an arsonist; he can't do it. That's right. He slaps him with the same reason that that Joe's mother slaps him when he spots the naked guy. He, he says, "Why do you have to do that for?" That's right. Why do you have to be here?
0: Why do you have to do that for? So it's kind of a pity. Well, it also right. it also bespeaks the, as you say, accommodation. I mean, it's, I mean. I guess, in a situation like that, you could come outside your door and shoot the guy who tried to burn your house down. But what Warren does in slapping Jerry is just say to him, wake up, pay attention. You're not doing this right. You're not you're not letting us all go along with our lives by trying to burn down my house. You're, you're trying to do something cataclysmic here. That's yeah, but, not going to work. Yeah,
1: because by that time, uh, Warren's not interested in his and, wife anymore. Uh, we see that. This seem to do it very well. And... You let things go. That's right. Let things go. Go on with your life. See, it's possible, says the boy. And I thought this over the years since then, that my father must have felt that all forward motion in his life had come to a stop that night at Warren Miller's house. And that Warren was right. That my father wished Warren would come out and shoot him right there. Oh, he says, what you want to do is you want to die, don't you? That's right. See, and that's why he didn't run away. But don't be a strong desire to end it for yourself, to give life back and let other stronger people, people like Warren Miller, carry it on wherever it will go. Or at least as a desire to become a smaller part of something larger in life, something that will take charge of you as though you were a child. My mother may have felt the same way about things.
0: That's right. That's just a little paragraph which tries to I, I I hope in a dignified way say that the concerns of a child and the concerns of an, of an adult are the same concerns.
1: But also he suddenly is, and they do at the end as a trying to get together, the father and mother, Jeanette and Jerry, Joe's father, are there. Warren is strong. and Let that guy run things. Why don't we do the best
0: we can? In a way, that's part of it, too. That's right. Yeah. But they... They manage to find a way to uh, yeah. to do things together the best they can. Yeah, that's it. So this, there's a crazy kind of survival involved. And, and as you said, is in, in accommodation, accommodating yeah. the needs of each other, the people that you love. But yet we hope, we hope, this is me,
1: the reader. this one raider, that Joe will not be that accommodating later, that Joe himself thinks it's gotta be a better way. I, th- I think I, I think
0: that's know. I think that's true. Yeah. That should be the lessons that your par- that your uh, parents teach teach you. But mostly he understands the way things work with human beings. And the book tries to say that there's some value to be gained in talking about and thinking about what your parents did that 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 their life their lives as they were lived uh Does not have to be replicated in your life. You you can learn something from what they did and go on and live a better life.
1: Richard Ford is my guest. The book is *Wildlife*. Atlantic Monthly Press. And any
0: postscript, any base we haven't touched. No, you've touched all, all the bases probably uh, uh, better than I did. I I think maybe I said it as well as I would say it if I I had to say it again. um, That 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 kids' lives, because they're lived around adults, are continually draped in the mystery. Of what adults don't want them to know, because adults, you know, as soon as their kids know what they do, have to t- have to see what they do in a broader context. Oh, you did beautifully. Thank you very much.